We've heard news that Morrison's, Waitrose and John Lewis' own brand of Christmas products are not going to contain glitter this year. And now scientists at Anglia Ruskin University have examined the impact of a few different types of glitter on freshwater habitats by making ponds in the lab using river water and sediment. Katie Haler heard from lead author Danielle Green, who explained that all the glitters they tested had an impact on the plants and algae in their ponds. So we looked at glitter in the first place because it's a type of primary microplastic and because there had recently been calls from other scientists to ban glitter, but the impacts had never actually been tested. And we tested um, PET glitter, so that's plastic glitter. It's made of a similar material to a lot of plastic bottles. And we tested um, a type of cellulose glitter and two types of mica glitter. Mica, which is a natural mineral, and then we've got synthetic mica which is the same thing, but it's synthesised in the lab. The glitter that we'd probably be most familiar with, what's actually in it? It's a a layered microplastic, essentially, and it's not all plastic. So the the inner layer is a plastic core, or in the case of the cellulose, it's a core of a, a modified cellulose. Then you've got a reflective layer on top of that, which could be aluminium, something like that. And then on top of that, you've got another acrylic layer, so another plastic layer to seal everything in. So it's made up of different materials, which is what makes it such a unique type of microplastic. And are the mica glitter and the cellulose glitter similarly layered? No, the mica isn't. And the mica isn't actually biodegradable. It's an an inert material, so it shouldn't um, act in the same way. Take us through your experimental setup. What did you actually do? So we took samples of a real river, of the sediments and of the plants, and we took them back into the lab and set up a series of mini ponds. And then we added the different types of glitter to these ponds. And we had some that were controls that didn't have any glitter added at all. So the experiment ran for 36 days, which is quite short term, but it gives you an idea of what initial impacts might be. All the glitter sank relatively quickly and ended up sitting on the um, sediment surface. At the end of the experiment, we looked at the duckweed. So duckweed is a common um, pond plant. And we looked at the abundance of those, but also the the root length. And we found that the root length was actually shorter when you had any type of glitter. This is a finding that's been found before for other types of microplastics. So you've got shorter roots. We also found that the chlorophyll content in the water column was less when you had glitter. And this can indicate a decrease in the microalgae in the water. Did you notice any change across the different types of glitter in terms of the impacts you saw? There was a difference. The biodegradable glitter did lead to an increase in snails, in one species of snail, which is a non-native species. We're not sure why this is yet. We're doing further research to find out. It could be possible that it was using the cellulose glitter as a food source, Or it could be another indirect effect. We're not sure yet. What do you think the glitter is actually doing to cause these impacts? So because this is the first study of its kind, we're not sure of the mechanism yet. It could be that there might be a physical effect from the glitters, or it could be it's a chemical effect from something leaching from the glitter itself. We think it's likely that with the mica, it might be more of a physical effect, but with the the two types of glitter, the plastic glitter and the the biodegradable glitter, it's more likely to be some sort of leachate. And we are conducting further experiments now to look into this. How confident can we be in these findings? Because this is the first study of its kind. Yeah, so it's the first study of its kind. So it does use an unrealistically high concentration. The concentration that it uses might reflect 
a very, very large influx of glitter after a an open air festival, for example, where you have huge amounts being thrown around. It doesn't represent the amount that would be worn um, for people wearing it as, as makeup and, and washing down the sink. So we do need follow up work to see what impacts occur, if any, at lower concentrations across a whole range of concentrations and over a longer period of time. What impact do you predict glitter is having in the wider environment, not just these ponds that you've made in your lab? So scaling up to the real environment, we don't just have one type of microplastic. We've got a whole matrix of different types. You've got um, microplastics from from tyres. You've got microfibres from clothing. You've got bits of plastic bags and, and larger plastic items breaking down. So we've actually got a matrix of different microplastics and we're not sure what effect these all have together. Um, but glitter seems to have similar effects to other type of microplastics. So we can certainly add it in with the general effects. What would you say is the significance of your study? We shouldn't be encouraging any littering of a single use item, whether it's glitter or balloon releases, anything at any scale. And if you are going to wear glitter, I think that's absolutely fine. But you should remove it and put it in the bin rather than just washing it down the drain or rather than releasing it at large amounts at festivals. So all that glitters is not gold, especially when it comes to the environment. That was Danny Green and her paper has just been published in the Journal of Hazardous Materials.